last week on the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. And uh, it was stated that she was on Battlestar Galactica. She was actually on Buck Rogers. I could I could see all the science fiction nerds in our audience going, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> she was not on <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. It says, greetings from Austin. Saw the F1 race in Queen and visited my siblings. Mark. This is like the thank you note that my my folks got from my cousin Greg in <laughs> 1973 Christmas. Yeah. Thank you for the tie. I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess I figured I'd be talking to you for several hours. <laughs> and then uh November 16th. You know, I'm 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 wearing a sweater. Yeah. Oh, in honor of uh, the, the... No, because it's cold in the basement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like a fireside chat. Oh, you're by the furnace, right? So I didn't want this to be confused with Frank Zappa's 1977 double album, <laughs> which contained what what song, Pete? Bobby <laughs> Brown Goes Down. Yo also- Mama. Jewish uh, uh, Princess. But uh, more city of tiny lights. But more importantly, wasn't it? I have been in you. Oh, I've been <laughs> in you. That's right. <laughs> and they had moved to Salsal as a result of a disagreement with producers Gamble and Huff over finances. Mm. That was nasty. <laughs> it was a nasty dis- disagreement. <laughs> I could imagine Weird Al inventing something for this. Yeah. I'm not a big Weird Al guy. I bought his first record and I thought it was funny, you know, Dr. Domeno and stuff. You know, that's 40 years ago. I know we have friends that know a lot about, a lot more about Weird Al. Actually, Frank Zappa could do a, I only want to be in you. Casey said it's the oldest song in the countdown this week. It's been around for 20 weeks. This, I thought this... it was because it was 250 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Do you eat cereal? I haven't had a bowl of cereal in probably 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your like pseudo nickname? Do you you know, do you have like a uh an oh, alias, what, like the Garth Rocket, or, or that kind of <laughs> That's stuff. Right. Yeah. I am. Um, no, I never thought about it. I'll have to come up with one. <laughs> Jones Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> how, how many people? How many people you know are named Peter? <laughs> one. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Sounds like a muskrat drowning. <laughs> Yeah, so I I went to Canada with uh, (laughs) Ann Wilson's uh, boyfriend to (laughs) escape the draft into the Kiss Army.
like show business, like no business I know. Everything about it is appealing. Everything the traffic will allow. No way could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that extra bow. There's no people like show people. They smile when they are long. Yesterday they told you you would not go far. That night you opened and there you are. Next day on your dressing room they hung a star. Let's go on with the show. Hello again and welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete a show where normally two friends review a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Robeck, and with me is my friend and co-host, Peter Gardo. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Well, happy Thanksgiving to, to you, Mark. Yeah, it's, you too. It's that time of year. And uh, with us, we have our good friends from the Deeper Book Podcast, uh, John Matola. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Johnny. Nathan Baudry. Why, it's good old reliable Nathan, 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 Nathan. Just like last year with our... Uh, Disco Hits review with Jaime. We're we're gonna delve into a little bit of a uh, little bit of disco. I don't know. You ready for Thanksgiving? You got got all your stuff. You got your stuffing and your turkey and your stuff. I have what? nothing. It's great. <laughs> we do we do a big Canadian Thanksgiving for about we had about fifty people here for Canadian Thanksgiving, and I do a big spread for everybody, and then for regular Thanksgiving, <laughs> normal Thanksgiving. <laughs> the Canadians love it when you say that. Um, we are uh we usually go to my in-laws so i just uh lounge around all morning and show up it's great what yeah. <laughs> when is canadian thanksgiving columbus day uh, yeah oh okay but the canadians are smart they do it a little differently than us and some people they basically spread it out over the friday saturday sunday monday so instead of being like um, in America, where it's just this mad rush, you're working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Wednesday, you're going to rush home, try to leave work early and cook, 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 so you can do it on Thursday. They have a nice long weekend, and they're like, eh, we'll do it on Monday, and they can nice and leisurely actually enjoy the time. So makes a lot yeah. more sense. Yeah, yeah. It's like the thing, should they just put the Super Bowl on Saturday, for God's sakes? <laughs> you know, <just> like, <laughs> yeah. Sure, why not? So uh, how about you, John? plans for thanksgiving you go um yeah so um i i just um i i always just show up somewhere may we be truly thankful for what we're about to receive <laughs> so this year it's um we're <laughs> a bunch of freeloaders yeah <laughs> yeah uh this year it's actually going to be at uh my uh my aunt's house in uh new hampshire so um uh, that's great. She lives in a little, uh, a very uh, quiet, picturesque type of town. Uh, her and my uncle live in a very uh, old, uh, historic house, which I'm sure you guys would get a kick out of. So uh, that's that's going to be really nice spending up there with uh, some of the family. And uh, I'm bringing some uh, desserts because you guys know that I'm the dessert guy. Time to make the donuts. I made the donuts. I did a little bit of uh, prep. I did a little bit of dessert making and 
tossed it in the freezer and be bringing it up uh, Wednesday night, staying for a couple of days. So that's going to be fun. Nice. Nice. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm also freeloading. I'm heading back out to <laughs> Austin, Texas for my sisters for kind of a lengthy. I'm leaving uh, Saturday and hmm. spending through Thanksgiving. And I typically travel back the day after Thanksgiving because I found that's a good day to travel, but I'm staying a little longer the following hmm. Wednesday. So good long trip for me. That's kind nice. Got to get this episode in the can <laughs> before I fly out, hopefully. Peter, are you are you um, joining the freeloaders? Or are you actually? No, 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 no. I have to. I have to do what I talked about. I have to go out and get the stuff. My mother-in-law will come over. My sister, number three in her family, are going to South Carolina, and I got to get my daughter from college on Tuesday, and then I think I have to drive her back on Sunday. Ugh. Nothing worse than Boston on mm. on a holiday weekend. So it's yeah. just nothing worse than Boston. Driving in Boston is not fun. Yeah, my, my my wife has to go up there tomorrow, and she's like uh, near the Prudential Building or whatever. And oh, yeah. her and her, her colleague they they drive to Worcester and try, take the train in. So maybe they'll see uh, some of Ingve's picks. They'll be littered all over the ground. If they follow them, they can find wherever he went next. Alrighty, so uh, Pete and I have been friends for 35 plus years. We met in college and then ended up working together for a long time. And uh, we've been, been friends with you guys now. What I, I met John uh, four years ago. Four you four years ago. Wow! Wow! wow. Time flies already that long, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now now it's like we're good old friends, all of us. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. This, is, this is cool having you guys on. Mm. So love being um, on. So uh, this week we have something special for Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's episode number 64 of the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. There's no disco like show disco. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so Mark, give a, give a little background on this. Yeah, so the genesis of this episode. So first of all, there, uh, Pete, you could maybe just clarify this. In terms of your recordings of the uh, 1840s, it seems like Thanksgiving time is... Uh, there's a drought, um, and is that because uh, AT40 didn't didn't put much out during Thanksgiving, or did they take a hiatus? Or I, I'd have to look at the spreadsheet, but yeah, um, I know uh, that was the case last year. We just didn't have anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, close to the they, they could have had specials also, you know. Yeah, yeah. So so anyway, they, they, all they did was play um, Alice's Restaurant. Oh yeah, over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a show on uh, PBS. It was the American Experience, and the title of it was "The War on Disco." And they mm. kind of went through, you know, disco's origins, its rise, and then kind of ended with you know the disco demolition night and how disco like quickly fell off the map. And in that, they were talking about yeah. You know, it was it was an interesting show. I thought it was going to be like really kind of PBS ish in terms of there was a New York Times article that that was kind of misleading about the show, but in terms of like the causes of disco and whether the disco demolition night had some racist overtones and all the stuff. But they got into that a little bit. But bottom line, they said by the time 
Disco Demolition Night happened, disco was kind of on its downfall. And it, a lot of it because it started getting really commercial and everybody was doing stuff. You had, in our, uh, was it the last episode we had Disco Duck? Yeah. Which had come out yeah. a few years earlier, but they showed that and they showed some parodies. And then they show Ethel Merman singing disco. And they said, oh, yeah, Ethel Merman put out a disco album. And my jaw Everyone was in on it. My my jaw kind of dropped open. I'm like, Ethel Merman put out a disco album. And so I texted Pete about it a little bit back and forth. And then we were like, oh, I wonder if it's, you know, available out there or whatever. And did a little reading. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to. Oh, my goodness. Review. <laughs> 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 okay. We, we've Real kept this a, reactions here. Yes. We, we kept this a, a secret, you know, like <laughs> locked in Fort Knox. Like we did not, we just, we we're vague. We're going to do a disco episode and we have so John and I died. went into this being quite fond of disco. Is that going to change? <laughs> I I could not be more stunned. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> It sounded stunned. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> I was stunned enough when you brought it up. The fact that that's uh, what we're gonna do. Wow. So you we're very vague. You're like, hey, we're gonna do something about disco. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, which is uh, yeah, it's definitely yeah. It, it didn't lie there. Oh, I was just thinking. What? So what is uh, you guys? What's your experience with or knowledge of Ethel Merman? First off, um, <laughs> you know, isn't she that like uh, one of those like really? She was really one of those over the top performers she's just like show business you know and all that kind of stuff and just really this brassy broad you know yeah um, that's um i don't know too much about her career or anything but i mean i know her in uh pop culture just being like um uh maybe a, maybe a, the caricature version of her just being very like brash and loud and and overconfident and projecting and like you know miss show business you know kind of a uh kind of a bet midler type of uh performer i guess um that's that's my impressions of her outside of that i don't really know much about her i might have seen her in a couple of movies too so all right how about you nate yeah like uh i i i feel like the same as john like i feel like i know more about like uh the caricature of her you, uh, yeah like no business like no business like that sort of thing like, hence the title of the but, episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's one of the, it's it's one of those um names that it's like I, I i can't place what i really know about her other than just kind of this like you said this kind of over the top character she's a character of herself sort of thing um so yeah uh, but 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 it doesn't the signals don't cross with thinking of her doing disco. So that's, that's going to be very interesting. <laughs> yeah. That sounds yes. very out of her wheelhouse from what I, for what I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of why we thought this would be a lot of fun. And, and Pete and I have not listened to this. I, I listened oh, okay, to like good. A, a snippet of a song or, or two, but I have not listened to, to the album. I did nice. look up facts on the album. So, so hopefully you guys will step away and then now you'll know a lot about Ethel Merman. So <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, entertaining and educational. Um, so how about, how about you, Pete? I know her 
uh, from being in its mad, 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 mad world. And she yelled yeah. at Jack Benny. Yeah. And um, and she was <laughs> Gopher's mother on uh, on the love boat. Yeah. And she was, you know, when we were growing up in the 70s, she was kind of nearing her, you know, peak. You know, I think she was born in like 19 eight or 12 or something yeah so she was she was already in 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 her uh you know mid 60s and 70s and people don't last as long back then well some do as they do now and uh i'm sure i saw her on on variety shows like carol burnett and things like that um yeah but, uh, but we didn't have any we didn't have any show tunes in the lp collection you know my my folks LP collection and I do have Bye Bye Birdie and the best thing about that is Dick Van Dyke and of course uh, Paul Lind, uh, but she wasn't on that. So no. <laughs> she she sings kind of like Paul Lind talks. Yeah. So I <laughs> that's true. Yeah, she does actually. Crunchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so my uh, as you said, it's a mad mad world. Uh, have you guys seen that movie? Uh, yes yeah yeah my um yeah I, my pops was one of his favorite movies when i was uh when i was a kid so that was um didn't realize how star studded it was from oh. stars yeah. of that era so um but i it knew was that like she the, was the uh, cannonball run of its time right yeah like, she was she, yeah she was like the the loud like annoying mother-in-law yeah, Milton, yeah and, wasn't she Milton Berle's mother-in-law or something? Um, yeah, I, uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but yeah. I, I think I know her best from that movie, I, just because I saw it a yeah. lot when I was a kid. Yeah, she's in the climactic ending scene because they're all in the hospital after you know everything. Oh, went you're wrong giving it away at the end. Yeah, and then <laughs> I, I won't give wasn't away that the movie from like 1958. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah, but Pete uh, actually saw it, which is good. But I really remember her from Airplane. Yes, that's thank you. Because while you were talking, I I remembered, I remembered the the joke from Airplane. Yeah, <laughs> she plays it. Lieutenant Horowitz that is severely shell shocked, and his symptom is that he thinks he's Ethel Merman. Oh no! And it's really her, and she gets out of the bed. <laughs> and she's like i feel good i feel great i've yeah. got the whole world on a plate yeah. <laughs> i forgot about that yeah yeah and so that to me was that was fantastic and i i i gotta give her a lot of credit for doing that but as i remember her being on love boat i didn't remember her being gopher's mother till i did the research here and i uh, I don't know. Do you remember that, Pete? Was she like supposed to be a showbiz star as his mother? Her name was I don't Roz. Know. I, think, I, I think I saw it in, in the last year or so, but, you know, you start binging on love boats and, you know, and before you know it, you know, uh, Bernie Coppell's character is dating, trying to date everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a cad that guy was. He's like the Coverdale of the love boat. <laughs> <laughs> So this this LP came out in 1979, right? So so the question is 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 what were you guys doing for Thanksgiving 1979? Yeah, <laughs> um, crap in my diaper. <laughs> Did you have turkey flavored beech nut or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was I was three, so um, I I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my memories of the the th- the Thanksgivings in the seventies aren't super strong. You'd have to ask my parents, yeah. but we always hosted as long as I can remember. So we may have been hosting back then. I'm not sure. Oh, excellent! I was a freshman in high school. 
So that summer was my first year of picking a backhoe. We we actually went out to uh, Western New York to my my both my folks' uh, parents. So we left on Tuesday or excuse me the Wednesday night and came back on on Sunday. We spent time with with my you know both my sets of grandparents. It's crazy about this, and I couldn't do this. Okay, so my father was what uh, forty like your guy's age, like uh, uh, 44, 45 years old. He took a trip to LA on Monday, came home, and then he drove all the way to Buffalo. And that's stamina. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In a Volkswagen so, bus, like by himself? No, no, with us. With, oh, you know, with he, you guys. He, with he, did yeah. oh, he did all the driving. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. He did all the driving. No power steering, no heat. Four no kids. Nothing. Four kids. Yeah. My mother. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but you know, and, and right about this time, and I don't know if you talk about it, but um, you know, the the hostage crisis had just happened. So, yeah. Um, but uh, what what were you up to, uh, Mark? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, specific memories are vague. I, we we always had Thanksgiving uh, at our house for just the family, so that that's what would have been going on. I, I'll get into a little bit more when we get into the pop culture because there is a specific. <laughs> TV show I remember watching, but uh, yeah, it's typical. I, I would have been a sophomore in high school at that point. So the, the old man to the group. So should we start off with that video? Yeah, yeah. I think that'll be a good one to start off with. Get a little taste okay. of. Uh... Well, there's your girl, John. There's all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a picture of Barbara Streisand talking with. Judy, Judy, Judy. Judy Garland. Yep. With my favorite star. Up until three years ago? You mean you just started to sing three years ago? Boy, that's something. Can you read music? No. Can you? Not a note. You want some tea, Barbara? No, thank you. Okay. Um... A joke there that I missed. Nobody takes my tea, and it's here. We got all oh. this silver. Well, anyway, do you smoke? No. Drink? Nothing. Just sing beautifully, huh? Well, I do other things. Don't make me an innocent. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing about you is that I know you. I love you. Really, sing out. You really build a song. There are very few of us left. Tell him, Judy. How old Barbara Streisand is here? Young. She's probably still dating Barry Denon at this point. <laughs> there she is. Ethel yeah. was sitting in the front row. <laughs> the crowd is just lapping this up. This great stuff. <laughs> Judy almost fell over. I think she has something in her tea. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. How about that? It's a great I was, <laughs> no, I was across the I'm across the hall here. I was taping a, a Red Skelton show and uh, what are you doing? doing? Huh? You belting? I was belting. Yeah. I heard you two belting. <laughs> I heard the noise and that's why I came in here. I just yeah. came in to say hello. Oh yeah. That's all. Yeah. yeah, except she was sitting in the front row. <laughs> The new belter. Yes. Wearing an evening gown with her hair all done. What what is, uh, yeah. Uh, what's what's the next thing now after this? The uh, next 
big thing. That it's you're called Funny Girl. It's oh. about Fanny Bryce, who's based on... Wonderful. Have a good... Nikki Wonderful. Yeah. Have a good composer. Julie Stein. Oh, Julie Stein. He Bob wrote... Merrill. He wrote Gypsy. Oh, oh, my goodness. Good. You couldn't have... Oh, you're in good hands, girl. You're really in good hands. Who's the producer? Nine. No. Yeah, well, Ray Stark and David Merrick. Oh, David, right there, right there. producer of Gypsy. Yeah, right that's see everything. Yeah, oh, it's, uh, oh, it's wonderful. Watch your dressing room, you know, and so forth. Oh yeah, I've never done a Broadway show. Right? No, you have you to watch that. You never did a Broadway. You do. You'll wind up with a hook. You know, that's all. It is. <laughs> you have to watch that. It's only a Broadway. Huh? Well, oh, they do it in some of the houses on Broadway. You, you, you look, look at you. Finally lost it. Oh, you look wonderful. Listen, Julie. you, you just... can't get off here without. Do you want some tea? No, I'd rather have the silver. <laughs> 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 you can't get away without belting one time. No, no, no. Well, well, you've got to. No, we what? both did. Yeah, well, I think we missed the, the tea set up from earlier well, in the program. Who mm. dealt with me? Well, we'll see what you started. Well, I thought, well, what Anything? we do? What we do? Uh, one how of about the things uh, that we're all famous for. Sure. Yeah. yeah you, 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 sure. We all know that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Mort, could we have an arpeggio, please? What's the matter? It's a thing. It's a run. Ingve, Ing could we have an arpeggio? <laughs> <laughs> there's no business yeah. like show business. Yeah. Like no business, I know. <laughs> Everything about it is appealing. Everything the traffic will allow. <laughs> Nowhere could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that extra mile. There's no people like no people. Making the anticipation for the disco Ethel <laughs> even more. But we don't have the Streisand in this disco. She did a great job. Yeah. Streisand sang like two words of that whole thing. She's just like, all right, let these old bitches just do their thing. I don't know what's going on here. Exactly. She seemed like like out of place at a moment. Yeah, they're like like Ethel Merman's grabbing her, and she's just like kind of like like her eyes are going like this, like I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> oh, that was fun though. Yeah. 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 Well, we, you're you're the expert of uh, Judy Garland, so. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I think that that joke about her weight probably sent her spiraling backstage. So uh, <laughs> she unfortunate. Well, and, and what was the the name of that channel? It's the Judy something on YouTube. Uh, the Judy Room. The Judy Room. Uh, you'll have to yeah. check that out after. <laughs> All right. So um, yes. since we're around Thanksgiving, we'll look at some of the news headlines from uh, Thanksgiving of 1979. So November 13th, Ronald Reagan announces his candidacy for U.S. presidency. Wow. The U.S. presidency. That's uh, like late City. for these days. Like usually it's, <laughs> it was about six, six, eight months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like less than a year, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then uh, November 70s 19th, were great. <laughs> we yeah. didn't have the nonsense we have now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, November 19th, Chuck Berry re is released from prison for income tax evasion. And uh, he had been convicted of that earlier. I don't know what the details were on his release. You, Pete, did he get like pardoned from Carter or something? Or? Uh, I, 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 
his last act in <laughs> office. Yeah. Chuck yeah. Berry. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a terrible thing. Income tax. Ugh. That'll be on our income tax uh, podcast. Your, in, your income yeah. tax bonus episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is not the disco income tax episode. Um, now, that would be a great use of a presidential pardon because usually it's like, oh, I'm going to pardon all my cronies who did all this super illegal stuff while I was president. But to actually just be like, he's Chuck Berry, just taxes, it's boring. Get him out, <laughs> yeah. of, get him yeah. out of there. <laughs> that's yeah. what it should be used for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, moving on to November 30th, Pink Floyd's The Wall is released and it oh, sells wow. 6 million copies in two wow. weeks. Wow. So, wow. That's that was huge. a big, big, huge, huge album. Uh, sad one. December 3rd, 11 members of the audience are trampled to death during a stampede to claim unserved seats for a concert by The Who at Riverfront Stadium. Oh in, yeah, I remember. Or, I, or I, I Riverfront remember. Coliseum in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah, that was I remember reading about it, yeah. That was a big big deal at the time, really sad. And then KRP in Cincinnati actually did an episode had that event in, embedded in the in the episode. It was uh, it was pretty uh, pretty well done. But uh uh, we usually look at what was going on in technology. So in 1979, VisiCalc becomes the first spreadsheet program. Oh, so yeah. if, if we had some music to bust out, we'd do it now. That song was still fresh then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Visa Calc. <laughs> I've that, never that seen it. Even Lotus One Two Three. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen Visa Calc. That's something I got to go out. Yeah, and... me either. I've like heard of it, but I've never seen it in yeah. action. Oh yeah. Well, I I think I used Visa Calc back in the day, and then there was on the Vax was Deck Calc. Deck Calc. Yeah, that I would that I remember. I think I used yeah. that. Alrighty. I'm looking at a screenshot of VisiCalc right now, and it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> the it has items and their cost, and the four items it has are muckrake, buzz cut, toe toner, and eye snuff. That was eye snuff. Eye snuff. Eye snuff. All right. I have I have real snuff here. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> here's here's the guy putting up his nose. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you get that? Is it is it a German product? It it's like... a German product. Yeah. yeah. It it was it was at my folks' house when uh we cleaned it out. Yeah, nice. Uh, three years ago. Yeah. All righty. Looking at the economy in 1979, unemployment rate 6.1%, inflation rate 13.3%. Bad, bad inflation mm. in the 70s. Uh, same buying power of today's dollar was about 24 cents back then. Cost of a gallon of gas was 86 cents. That would be 365 in today's dollar. A little, little more than what we're paying now. Um, and uh, Pete, does that match any real-time data you had? On the gasoline, gasoline. motor oil, motor oil. and product Everything that we do at Texas, oh. well, Volkswagen bus going. There. Yeah, Volkswagen bus the day before driving to uh, 
out to Buffalo. We stopped in Victor, New York, which is southeast of Rochester, off the uh, New York State Thruway, and it was a dollar seven a gallon. And the car got uh, 20, 22.41 miles per gallon. I guess we didn't have a headwind. Uh, <laughs> that's that's between. Good. You need a heck of a headwind yeah. with six people in there. That's yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. And presumably well, a lot of bunch of luggage and all that. Well, yeah. well, well, typically the the gas mileage is better coming from Buffalo because you have tailwinds. And I'm sure that we listened to uh, uh, Alice's restaurant on the WGY eight ten a.m. in Schenectady. They always <laughs> played it at like seven o'clock at night as we drove through. I remember that. Um, <laughs> And then we got back from uh, from Western New York, and on the uh, uh, on the twenty sixth, it was ninety nine and nine tenths cents a gallon uh, for the Dasher back home, and it was twenty seven point one four miles per gallon. So, like you said, Mark, uh, the prices might have gone up because of this whole Iranian thing that was going on. Because yeah. I think I think that Jimmy Carter said we ain't buying your oil, and so the price went up. Yeah, yeah, that that happened right, right, right after that happened. Yep, so. yep, yeah. Late November, early December of uh, 79, yep. that would have been going on. All righty. Uh, so looking at some TV highlights from uh, the Thanksgiving week in 79. Monday, November 19th, NBC at 9. The Bob Hope on campus special with Dion Warwick, Sister Sledge, The Village People, Tanya Tucker, Teddy Pendergrass, Joe Namath, and Bear Bryant. The comedian wow. tours, tours half a dozen American colleges. <laughs> <laughs> oh Quite the cast on there, though, and and very Absolutely. very disco oriented. Well, some some country too, I guess. Did uh, Joe Namath do a disco album? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he hung out at the disco. Sure he or maybe he hung out with Ethel Merman on Broadway because he's Broadway <laughs> Joe. Um, but, uh, uh, moving on to Wednesday, November 21st, CBS at nine. There's a TV movie. Mayflower, The Pilgrim's Adventure, with Anthony Hopkins, Richard Trenna, Jenny Agutter, and Michael Beck. So mm. what other famous movie was Richard Trenna in? Pete and I, you, we actually talked about this. Anyone mm. else on the panel? Uh, wasn't <laughs> no. he in like, uh, was, was he Serpico or something? Uh, nope. What am I thinking of? Wasn't he some detective? No, well, he, he was in Rambo. Yeah. His, his, oh, okay. His kind of ah. big, big breakout role was was Rambo in terms of that's what most people know him from but more importantly a few years before Rambo he was the star of Devil Dog the Hound of Hell Tuesday at 9 8 Central and Mountain right after the paper chase (laughs) (laughs) that's what you know I think you sent the poster for it to me or something so I I remembered I remembered seeing it like who the hell is Richard Crenna (laughs) Yeah. yeah All righty, then uh, ABC at 9, Charlie's Angels, and the episode is Angels on Skates, Season 4, Episode 10, with Roz Kelly, who, Pete, who's Roz Kelly? Oh, I I should know, but I don't. Isn't it uh, Pinky Tuscadero? (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Well, Leather Tuscadero was Susie Quattro, right? Right, right. So her sister was... Uh, or know, cousin Pinky, or something. Or, yeah, okay. Pinky Hester. But anyway, right. the plot of this one was uh, Chris poses as a roller skating disco queen as part of a scheme to nail a band of kidnappers holding a beautiful heiress hostage. 
So. I was going to ask if it was ice skating or like roller derby, one of the no, classic that, roller the, derby. The roller, the roller disco thing, that came like towards the tail end of disco and even went into the 80s uh, mm-hmm. a, a bit. It was it was a big deal, uh, as, as we'll see. But then uh, if you didn't want to watch Charlie's Angels at NBC at 930, the BG special with Glenn Campbell, Andy Gibb and Willie Nelson. Sounds wow. very strange. <laughs> And uh, the program explores the music and personal lives of the popular musical group that comprised the brothers Gibb, Maurice Berry, and Robin. So Andy's on, and it doesn't sound like Maurice Berry and Robin were on. It was like they were just so discussing. Single BG? Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was probably interesting. And then uh, moving on to actually Thanksgiving, Thursday, November 22nd, ABC at 8, Laverne and Shirley. And the episode is Take Two, They're Small, Season 5, Episode 10. And while on a date with two, quotation, little men, Laverne and Shirley become involved in a roller derby battle with two snobbish sisters. A lot of roller derby stuff or roller disco Hmm. stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. What do they mean by little men? Are they? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I believe they were literally, you know, little people. They were little people. People, yeah. Like midgets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Did Randy Newman do the soundtrack? (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, NBC at 10, Pete and I will know what this is about, but it was Kate Loves a Mystery. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So that briefly, that was when they they tried to do a spinoff of Columbo, Mrs. Columbo. And then nobody believed that she was married to Columbo. And then and they just changed it to Kate Loves a Mystery. And then it went off the air. It wasn't <laughs> so. as successful as Mrs. Pac-Man. <laughs> no. <laughs> but wasn't, wasn't she, for all of you nerds out there, like a captain of a Star Trek Enterprise or something? Cap- captain Kate. Jane Janeway from um, yeah. Deep Space. Uh, no, uh, Voyager, is that? Um. Yeah, Voyager, and she, yeah. and she was also the wife in Throw Mama from the Train that um Billy Crystal wanted to kill. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. what I first saw. Kate, Kate Muldrew, I believe that yep. her name is. Anyway, uh, moving on. Friday, November twenty third, ABC at eight. A movie, Birth of the Beatles, an account of the Beatles during the Hamburg years. They're mm-hmm. signing with Brian Epstein and their inevitable rise during the early sixties. But this is the show that I am almost certain that I watched because you know, I was, I think it was almost 15 years old. So in the, in the throes of, uh, you know, ad- adolescence and the hormones are r- raging. And it was like ABC at 10, the Playboy Roller Disco Pajama Party <laughs> special with Chuck Mangione, the Village pe- People, Richard Dawson and Hugh Hefner hosts. <laughs> and I definitely watched it. I remember it. Um, another the roller, dial right off the TV at that point, right? Yeah, another <laughs> another roller disco thing going on here. So, so it was that uh, that was not in the on the TV at my grandparents' house. No, no, no. I think I had I had like a portable black and white in my room, and I'm, I'm sure I wasn't. I'm sure the family wasn't watching that together. <laughs> They were watching some other ro- roller, roller derby programming. Yeah, roller <laughs> some more wholesome roller, roller derby stuff. Yeah. All right. And then uh, one more thing to mention. Saturday, November 24th, ABC at 9, The Love Boat. And the episode is, uh, or the three episodes, Not Now I'm Dying, 
Eleanor's Return and Too Young to Love. And this one had Barbie Benton, but um, apparently it was like a crossover episode with the uh, the love boat because it says uh, gopher tries to keep the unmarried daughter of captain stubing's bot excuse me this is the love boat what am i saying i keep thinking whenever i think of barbie benton i think of fantasy island don't get them mixed up the bricks you dip in the gold and the gold you dip in the red paint (laughs) (laughs) but this is this is probably the only tie-in to deep purple on the episode because as we know roger glover produced yes Barbie I was going to ask, what's the what do a Barbie Benton and Rory Gallagher have in common? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Albums go. produced by Roger Glover. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. And then just one other thing. I, I We usually take a look at what movies were re- released around this time. And November 3rd, The Rose, starring Bette Midler and Doris Roberts. So that was kind of a semi based on the life of uh, Janis Joplin and John mentioned Bette Midler earlier when you were talking. So, yeah. All right. What would Casey say? Well, we gonna we gonna do a little bio of Ethel first, or are we gonna jump? No, into no, the music? just throw it in as we go. <laughs> all right. We already right. did it. Okay, we're not gonna get into the album cover and all that. All right. We'll all right. do that as we do it. All right. Here we go. Then. Unless you want to. Unless you want to. No, no. Well, we'll all... let's jump into the music. We've been waiting okay. long enough. I know the <laughs> suspense right. is killing me. Yeah. All right. But now, as Casey would say, on with the show. <laughs> <laughs> Four on the floor. Right? This almost sounds like. One of the songs off the Kojak record or the Telly Savalas <laughs> records I have. I was thinking, well, I was thinking it could be like a TV cop show sort of soundtrack. Need a little Can you guys hear guitar it? in there. Yeah. So she's just opening up with her big hit in disco form. Yeah. <laughs> Like shaft. <laughs> Modulating that key. They're building up the tension. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything that traffic will allow. No way. She's not really changing her uh, singing style to <laughs> so the genre. Very interesting uh, crossover. It sounds like somebody got a hold of her vocal tracks and just redid the background music. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall in the conversation between her and her agent leading up to this. <laughs> what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> She'd say it like that. Yeah. What do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> Mom, are you sure this is going to sell with the kids? I'm telling you, this is going to put Ethel back on the map. <laughs> this is one of probably the one of the last things she did, right? 
Yeah. Apart from airplanes. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, in the tradition of our podcast. I'll give, give a little uh, info on the song. It's an Irving Berlin song written for the 1946 musical Any Get Your Gun and orchestrated by Ted Royal. The song, a slightly tongue-in-cheek salute to the glamour and excitement of the life in show business. And it's sung by members of Buffalo Bill's Wild West show in an attempt to persuade Annie Oakley to join the production. So in uh, 1953, Ethel Merman sang the song before a live television audience of 60 million people broadcast live over the NBC and CBS networks as part of the Ford 50th anniversary show. And the song, of course, became one of Ethel Merman's standards and was often performed by her at concerts and on television. Other singers who have recorded the song include Judy Garland, the Andrews Sisters, Bing Crosby, Dick Hames, Frank Sinatra, Harry Connick Jr., and the Andrews Sister version with Bing Crosby and Dick Hames was recorded on uh, the 19th of March, 1947, and was the only version to reach the Billboard charts at number 25. Um, so from 1976 to 2000, the rock band Genesis played the Ethel Merman recording at the end of their gigs. It can be heard at the end of their 1977 live album, Seconds Out. <laughs> I wonder if they ever played this at Studio 54. Uh, from what I read, it was very popular at Studio 54, These uh, the songs off this album. Really? Yeah. The album itself tanked, but... Mm. <laughs> was this like their version of like Pat Boone doing the heavy metal songs that we had when we were, you know, teenagers <laughs> or well, were even teenagers? In the metal mood. How old we were yes. Was it in te- like, I, like I, was it was it trying to get young people interested in Ethel, or was it sort of a joke? I, I gotta believe it was like half a joke and half a try to cash it. Uh, we can see those watching on Channel 18 can see Nate's pooch. The devil dog just jumped up. <laughs> But she was in her friggin' 70s by the time this album was recorded. Yeah. Hey, good for her. Well, yeah. I mean, that she could still sing like that. Ooh, <laughs> tasty the... little bass run out there. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, when we talk about the album a little bit more, they, they put some stuff into this album that wasn't just... Uh, you know, let's let's hack this thing together. I'm sure there were there were plenty of really solid, you know, funk disco musicians session guys that you could get in and just crank out an album like this pretty quick. Like you get some really talented uh 
yeah, in talented fact, guys, hire the right band and you're good to go. In fact, I can talk about that a little bit. Well, yeah, th- this is what we'll do. We'll sort of pepper these things in. Uh, there was one very familiar name. So the saxophone player was Ernie Watts. He played with everybody, and including on Frank Zappa's album, The Grand Wazoo. Oh, wow. Yeah. But if you go and look up his uh, Wikipedia page, it's like, yeah, he, he was all over the map, uh, uh, a huge uh, player. And also Bud Shank, another saxophone player. He played on Boz Skagg's Silk Degrees and with many notable jazz artists. Chuck Berghofer on bass. He played with many artists, including the Beach Boys, Paul Anka and George Benson. And it was recorded and mixed at a- A&M Recording Studios in Hollywood. All right. Wow, who would have uh, who would have thought that the connection between Ethel Merman and Frank Zappa would be so short? Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? <laughs> All right, track number two. These are long songs. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you get out on the dance floor. Yeah, that's true for the style yeah, of music. Well, the, the club mixes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when you're at Studio Fifty Four and the Ethel starts playing, you don't you don't want it to stop. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every but disco this, this trope. Is a, this is um this is Sondheim. Ooh. You know your stuff, Nate. I'm just reading it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, my my wife is a big Sondheim guy. Or girl, I guess. <laughs> You'll be great. She's a big Sondheim fan, I should say. Gonna have the whole world on a plate. are like slowed down the tempo. Start now. It just it does not sound like she knew this was gonna be disco or knew <laughs> what disco was. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've talked about this a million times. When you got somebody like of this caliber, they just come in the studio. They're probably there for one day, a few hours, crank out all the songs, one take each. Yeah. And like I said, probably like t- talking to their agent. What do you want me to do? Huh? <laughs> all right. But but I but I wonder like who who decided that there was there was a demand for this? Her <laughs> <laughs> pal. Yeah. Well, whoever did. <laughs> Was wrong. <laughs> what the? <laughs> so, I just wow. put the album art up on the so screen. So you got Ethel in a, in a very flamboyant muumu, just kind of looks like she's like whipping herself around, and the muumu is like just flaring out. I mean, she looks like she's Mrs. Roper's sister. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I couldn't tell that that's a guy holding like a hat. Yeah. I, I was at first I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> well, it's the cowboy from the village people. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it looks like they've got like kind of a view down Broadway, but then there's like some oh, stage lights and marquees and things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's kind of funky. And it's not a bad album cover. It looks like she's like those are lasers that she's dodging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's trying to destroy her like, from- and she's like hey look out 
or she's like, she's like, it's it's a movie where she's a cat burglar. Ah, I'm gonna get those diamonds, see? <laughs> Maybe the, the the laser defense system. Maybe she planned to go out on tour, and you know they'd have a, like a laser show <laughs> on the stage <laughs> with two lasers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were probably more expensive back then. Mark, did you ever go to the planetarium for the laser show? With yeah, like dark side of the moon. I think over. I went to one of those. Yeah, Laser Floyd, they called it. Whatever. Laser Floyd, yeah. 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 At the planetarium. I, I, I think I might have gone twice. Yeah, so this, uh, Everything's Coming Up Roses is uh, the music by Julie Stein and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. And uh, it was written initially for the 1959 Broadway musical Gypsy. Introduced in the show's inaugural production by Ethel Merman. Uh, Everything's Coming Up Roses became one of Merman's signature songs. So the album starts off basically with their two big signature numbers. And uh, according to Sammy Kahn, the song had its genesis in the 1947 musical High Button Shoes, for which he was the lyricist. Kahn wrote the lyrics... Julie Stein's music for a song titled Betwixt and Between to be sung by a female character who cannot decide between two men. And the direction of High Button Shoes decided that the song did not fit well into the show and they removed it. Um, but when composing Gypsy, Stein decided to reuse the music for what became Everything's Coming Up with, with new lyrics by Sondheim. And then uh, they talked about that with Judy earlier uh, that Barbara Streisand was doing. Was she doing Ethel Merman's role in Gypsy? Um, well, she wasn't. I don't think she was doing Gypsy. She was doing. Um, wasn't it Funny Girl? Gypsy. She was. Yeah, they did. But I think she was talking about Funny Girl. Oh, okay. saying, oh, who's who's producing it and who wrote it? And uh, Julie Stein came up. Yeah. Yeah, they oh, definitely. I don't think the Sondheim version was this long. No. <laughs> so, uh, some notable covers of this song. Johnny Mathis did it in 1960. Carol Burnett in 1963. Shirley Bassey and Bette Midler. Uh, and Liza Minnelli, daughter of Judy Garland, did it on The Muppet Show in 1979. Oh, wow. Making Mama proud. It's like it's still going. <laughs> I'm looking up the. Uh... <laughs> pow pow. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, everything's coming up roses from the soundtrack of Gypsy. Two minutes and 51 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> this version, six minutes and 28 seconds. Yeah. Oh, a, one of those where if they played the original, uh, we'll just have a short, short stint on the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need to just keep going. The kids are going to love it. The kids love Gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. It's time for a commercial. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Do we have a sponsor tonight? 
this is a disc detergent. Vel. Called Vel. <laughs> That's right. Vel keeps hands soft as roses. Look, dunk a fresh rose, an icky pan, in rose lotion Vel with rose water and glycerin. Like gangbusters, Vel cuts green. <laughs> gangbusters. Rose comes up soft. Hands, too. <laughs> How many times do you wash dishes with a rose? Like gangbusters. <laughs> it cuts grease like gangbusters. Take it from Merms. Try Vel. Merms? Take it from Merms. Did she, did she, she, she give herself that nickname? Or? Well, that's what we're going to call her from now on. Uh, Merms. Merm. I got to say, Merms. Merms. <laughs> who, who, whoever the marketing geniuses are that came with that came up with that name should have probably gone back to the uh, drawing board. What should we call it? Ah, uh, Vel. That's yeah, was it no good? Was it by the makers of Prowl? Like, yeah, oh, let's no, just make something that rhymes. Yeah. I always, I always <laughs> laughed. At, I don't know if they still make it, but I know there was. I don't know if it was the store brand, but there was a brand of detergent at Target that was called Dreft. <laughs> oh, yeah, my brother used to always say that. Like, yeah, he, he thought they were they were naming like the dishwashing liquids at the time to like it it was like veiled sexual innuendo for the housewives because it was like joy and thrill <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh you ladies are gonna love vel. this vel <laughs> sure all right we're gonna go to the third track all right another these are all very famous songs What? No originals? <laughs> no, she didn't pan any originals for nah, this masterpiece. No, no, no disco originals. I got a good beat, and it's easy to dance to. Or the same producer that did this. I get no kicks from champagne. Air alcohol doesn't thrill me at all. So tell me why. I mean, you know, as we're laughing at this, you, you gotta agree she had a great set of pipe stuff. Yes. I oh, mean, yeah. made made for the stage, you know. You, like they said, she can really belt it up. Yeah. Well, she she grew up in the age of of no, uh, you know, microphones and and uh, uh, amplifiers and stuff. So you know, you know, back in the twenties, how else are you going to uh, are the people in the back row going to hear it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, all these people like back then really had that training, yeah, there where they could really emote. So, yeah, this is uh, I Get a Kick Out of You by Cole Porter, and it was first sung in the 1934 Broadway musical Anything Goes, and then in the 1936 film version. 
was originally sung by Ethel Merman, and it has been covered by dozens of prominent performers, including Frank Sinatra, Dolly Parton, and Ella Fitzgerald. A cover by Mel Torme won the 1996 Grammy Award for Best Instrumental Arrangement with Accompanying Vocal for arranger Rob McConnell, while a duet version by Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga was nominated for three awards at the 2022 Grammys, including Record of the Year. And on the children's show Sesame Street, Ethel Mermaid, Mermaid, a mermaid Ethel Merman, spoofed (laughs) things I get a kick out of you, explaining how no letter of the alphabet thrills her more than the letter U. Now, this is interesting. The lyrics uh, of the song were first altered shortly after it was written. The last verse originally went, I get no kick in a plane. I shouldn't care for those nights in the air that the fair Mrs. Lindbergh goes through, but I get a kick out of you. But then after the 1932 Lindbergh kidnapping, Cole Porter changed the second and third lines to flying too high with some guy in the sky. It's my idea of nothing to do. And then in in the 1936 movie version, alternative lyrics in the second verse were provided to replace a reference to the drug cocaine, which was not allowed by Hollywood's production code of 1934. The original verse goes, some get a kick from cocaine. I'm sure that if I took even one sniff, that would bore me to riff. (laughs) That's like 1934. Writing songs about cocaine. Cold Porter, I thought you were just like a postcard from the X kind of guy. Which, if you think about this being played at Studio 54, they should have put those lines back in there. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that might have sold them some records. (laughs) A coked out Ethel Merman is really getting the floor bumping tonight. Coked out merms. (laughs) Merms. That's how she does all her dishes, coked out. <laughs> Val! <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> oh, they do go on forever. Yeah, yeah these are some <laughs> long songs. Should we just go to the next one, Mark? Yeah, sure. I think we've heard enough of... Uh... I get a kick out yeah, of this. Like, is like... It looks like by the track order, they kind of ran out of steam as, yeah. as it went on. The songs get a little shorter. Yeah, I mean, this vocally, she's like she's like the vocal equivalent of like Ingve on guitar. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can only listen to so much before you're like, oh my God, I'm like, my ears she's... are bleeding. Hey, she's... give me an arpeggio. <laughs> She's throwing out you know, bottles of Vel into the audience. <laughs> Something for the boys. We got a little whistle in there. Sounds like the beginning of Chips. Yeah. <laughs> Good bongos, though. I'm liking that. Congas. So, John, you said you pulled out some LPs. Want to share what you pulled out? Well, <clears throat> I only pulled out one. We're, we're close. We're close because I didn't know the theme was going to be 1979, or Ethel Bourbon. But in like 1978, I have a the k Disco Fire compilation. Oh, nice. <laughs> 
Let's see the that, tracks on that one. A two a two record set with a bonus disco dance lesson on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> that thing looks like it's in perfect condition. Yeah. So, and I got this one uh, when like we were in high school, Nate. But it's uh, see, this shows you learn how to do the hot chocolate. <laughs> oh, the hot step by step, step instructions in the gatefold. Nice. <laughs> do you know how to do it, John? Um, the album for a while, probably. Right? Yeah, you've been. Stu- you should have been studying for like thirty something years. Yeah, no, there's no, there was no YouTube video, so I had a lot of problems with it. <laughs> so, was it the original artist, or was it like uh, our disco hits record, which was done by like fake Carl Douglas? Yeah, no, this was a band. this was a KTEL um, compilation. Yeah, which, which um, I think is um, it doesn't look like there was like these huge songs on it because it starts with "Dance, Dance, Dance" by Chic. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. It's "Ecstasy When You Lay Down Next to Me" Barry Ooh. White. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, it, it it doesn't have like you you wouldn't like. I, I think this might have been like I'm guessing one of many. Um, so it doesn't have all the ones that you would probably get on like a compilation for disco like 20 years from then. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the Star Wars theme by uh, Miko. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that was a big one. So yeah, it's um, it's, 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 it's um, more, I feel more love Donna time, Summer like things that maybe didn't hold up as well. Yeah, yeah now, some of the ones I'm just reading some of the ones that I know: Boogie Shoes, Casey and the Sunshine Band. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot on here. Uh, disco Inferno. That's a really good one. Oh, from your neck of the woods. Um, yeah. Yeah, Tavares. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, there's not a lot on here that I that I recognize, to be honest. So it looks like there's some uh deep cuts on here. Wait a minute, let's listen to this breakdown a minute. Hey, what you doing? <laughs> hey, what you got? Nice. <laughs> this is my favorite track on the album so far. What's that that, that drum sound there, Nate? Coverdale had it on. Oh, the first. Yeah. Oh. I don't know what that. I, I think there's a oh, right. yeah. name for it. Let me look it up. So this is uh, something for the boys, another Colt Porter song, and uh, it, it was also a, a book by Herbert Fields and Dorothy Fields, and um, yeah, the show was uh, or uh, the song was produced by Mike Todd, who married Elizabeth Taylor at one point, and uh, it was yeah, it was a Broadway show. It opened in 1943, and it starred. Ethel Merman in her fifth Colt Porter musical at this point. a really long break on that one <laughs> to go wash her hands with vel <laughs> yeah she went to do some dishes during that break i'm soaking in it so so apparently when they had her out at AM studios they they made up some like special t-shirts and uh it said uh Bo- boogie ethel <laughs> or whatever oh my goodness 
there's a video of her on Carson promoting the album, and uh, she brings one of those T-shirts out. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you have that? Uh, I don't have it handy, but you can probably find it. <laughs> so from what I'm from what I'm reading is it's it's basically an electronic tom sound that they put a um like a a pitch envelope on it. So when you hit it, boo! And it uh-huh. like, so so you're hearing almost like a you're you're hearing like the attack of the the tom, and then it turns. I don't know if it's in a square wave or whatever, and it just goes boo and makes the. But yeah, a, that's a staple of uh, disco music. Yeah, mm-hmm. was that like a something Giorgio Moroder uh, invented, or? <laughs> <laughs> All right, which one are we up to, Mark? Uh, let's see. That this would be track six, I think. All right. One, two, three. This is some people. Some people, huh? Some people prefer cupcakes more but i for one care less for them some people prefer bell I don't think um, Ethel knew what was going on for this album or like knew what to what she should be doing because she's just doing her. Well, maybe that's what they wanted. I don't know. But she's just doing her normal thing. Maybe it like maybe it was just kind of a legacy move or like, hey, we want Ethel to cross over into the next generation. And maybe if she did these disco songs, it didn't change a single thing about how she performs. It'll latch on to something. Well, it's, it's funny. I Also, if you think about it, I think the mistake here was having her do these, these big hits of hers. Imagine her doing, like, Bad Girls or something. Now, that would have been... <laughs> yeah, yeah, if she did, if she did contemporary girls, disco. Yeah, toot, toot, toot. Baby, babe. <laughs> or, uh, you know, what else? <laughs> Ring my bell! (laughs) Ring my bell! (laughs) Ring it! (laughs) Exactly. Like that would have been an awesome album. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like her performing contemporary disco songs rather than her discoizing songs that she is famous for. Yeah, so I guess that I guess that's a way it's different from the Pat Boone thing. He was he was trying to get a laugh out of doing these heavy metal songs in, in his style and she's trying to do her songs in the, in disco, the disco style, style which right. doesn't it, it was a bad concept i think yeah yeah mm. they, they should have done it the other way around but maybe she would have been like i'm not singing these songs these aren't my songs yeah, imagine her i have to learn new words i keep i keep thinking <laughs> hey, of that. people are, people are coming here for that. the merms they want to hear my songs yeah i keep thinking of like Donna Summer songs that her doing them, and it's like, ah, love to love you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the moaning. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> 
That's not a moment. Moaning should just keep saying Val. <laughs> so who wrote Some People? Uh, so this was also from the Broadway musical Gypsy, and it was by music by Julie Stein and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. And it is... The Broadway show is loosely based on the 1957 memoirs of striptease artist Gypsy Rose Lee and focuses on her mother, Rose, whose name has become synonymous with the ultimate show business mother. So you've got a balance here. You've got... A couple of Irving Berlin songs, a couple of Sondheim songs, a couple of Porter songs, and then she ends it with, uh... oh, I don't want to give it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> but I, I, I bet I could sing it right now and it would sound pretty spot on. <laughs> <laughs> so that must be Ernie Watts right there with the. Oh, yeah. So would this have been, well, so this is 79, so this is after he did the Grand Wazoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny to think of going from. I guess when you're just a session guy, you you do what you got to do. You know, you're just. It's just funny to. You know, I guess they're like, hey, we need some. It's probably going to be a day's worth of work for you. Here's the check. What is it? An Earth and Ethel Merman disco album? Fine. <laughs> I'm starting to think of like Ethel Merman covering all this stuff, and it's like her covering Frank Zappa. It's like yeah, Garage. <laughs> A Catholic <laughs> girls. <Yeah. laughs> so this is uh Alexander's ragtime right. band. Right. So, so uh So this is a song. Everybody knows this one. Come on and Alexander's ragtime band. Alexander. <laughs> So, Mark, what's Ethel Merman's real name? Ethel Zimmerman. And, uh, and just like, up... is she related to Bob Dylan? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> From what I've read, that, that would have probably been mentioned. But wasn't yeah, wasn't his last name Zimmerman? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, Ethel, and she was uh, born in Queens, New York. And. Uh, her parents used to uh, take her to vaudeville shows on Friday nights when she was growing up, and she'd uh, try to imitate the singers in those shows. And uh, but she always came out with her own voice. So <laughs> she just and uh, she went to Bryant High School, in, uh, 1924. And uh, she took classes to be a secretary and a stenographer, and that's what she became. Her parents insisted on that because they said you got to have a fallback because she wanted to go into show business. And, uh, and then she did. Yep, she did at uh, 
Uh, at that point, when she was working as a secretary, yeah, is when she dropped the Zim in her last name to adopt Ethel Merman as her stage name. Oh, no, Merman. Right. Yeah, right. Yep. That makes yeah, because Zimmerman isn't going to fit on a marquee, darling. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what she said. Yeah. That ain't yeah. going to play on Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, her big hit, uh, big break was when she auditioned for the role of uh, San Francisco cafe singer Kate Fothergrill in the new George and Ira Gershwin musical Girl Crazy. Mm. And that's where uh, upon her singing I Got Rhythm, the Gershwins immediately cast her in the role. I'm not familiar with this song. Should I be? Yeah, yeah. I'm not familiar with it either. No. Do you know? Did you ever hear uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer's? Uh, uh, what's the song? Lucky Man. No. Carnival Nine. It's the only one I know. How about Emerson, Lake, and Palmer? Yeah. But anyway, they mentioned that they mentioned coming here, Alexander's Ragtime Band, in that song. I'm not a big ELP guy. And then there was an episode of uh, Sanford and Son where Fred's uh, friend was trying to break the record. Uh, well, Fred was trying to break the record of staying up without sleep and to keep him awake. His friend kept singing Alexander's Ragtime Band. <laughs> you big dummy. <laughs> oh, we kind of do that little disco ragtime crossover at the end. I like that. My dad used to get a carpool to work with a guy who'd just play ragtime the whole time. So my dad like hates <laughs> ragtime. <laughs> I just my dad driving all the way to North Attleboro listening to the, the clarinet. <laughs> I love it, but my dad can't stand if he hears ragtime, he just goes back to that memory. We have another advertisement here. Oh, oh nice. Okay. You're gonna pay for this. Word episode. from our sponsor. We get to pay our guests. Mexico presents Miss Ethel Merman. What is the must at Being driven in the Lincoln Continental like I used to have. Convertible. You wanna be able to always rely on the gasoline, gasoline, motor oil. We'll <laughs> sell anything, folks. In everything that we do at Texaco. They did this commercial at night. It's like so dark. <laughs> they're lifting over the train shot. They're lifting her up over the so, wow. so I think it was one of my brothers, or maybe he heard it from one of his friends. But we, he, he had a parody of that ending riff there, and it was like, "You can trust your ass to the man that pumps the gas." I <laughs> 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 killed in the third grade. <laughs> oh, I bet. Oh my goodness, I love that she'll just do all these commercials. 
Yeah, well, was she the uh, the JLT? Yeah, <laughs> the ultimate sellout. Doesn't sound like disco. I got rhythm. That's not what I was expecting. I got. I feeling They're just going to throw us off with the intro. I'm sure. Yeah, I think it's going to bust I out into it. This is when you do your lines of coke, right? <laughs> this is where you're trying to find your dance partner. I got strap on strap on your roller skates. <laughs> In green pastures. Is this the torch ballad for the, for the record? Because I'd be great if they just it. ended it on a completely straight song for no reason. <laughs> uh oh. So what's this from, Mark? So this was another one composed by George Gershwin uh, with lyrics by Ira Gershwin and published in 1930. It became a jazz standard. Its chord progression known as the rhythm changes is the foundation for many other popular jazz tunes such as Charlie Parker's and Dizzy Gillespie's bebop standard Anthropology, Thriving on a Riff. And the song became uh, the song came from the musical Girl Crazy, and it was written originally written as a slow song for Treasure Girl in 1928, and found another faster setting in Girl Crazy. Ethel Merman sang the song in the original Broadway production. Oh, oh here we go. Go. Teased us. Oh, nice. But little did they know, it was a nice little break from the <laughs> relentless four on the floor disco beat. We oh my to. god! <laughs> Listen to that. It's like the beginning of every song is just like a pounding bass drum. Wow, this is pretty boss. This is great. Wow, it makes you appreciate oh, the bass more. The keyboard's going through some effect there. Sounds like a. Move, like a move synthesizer. Was it a Moog? Or a Moog, yes. A Moog synthesizer. So, in, in the original Broadway production of uh, uh, Girl Crazy, the, the Broadway lore holds that George Gershwin, after seeing uh, Ethel's opening reviews, warned her, never take a singing lesson. <laughs> because he figured her voice was so unique. <laughs> That's true, though. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna try to work that out of you. So this is interesting. Also, the song has also been well covered. Louis Armstrong did it. Duke Ellington, Benny Goodman, Bing Crosby, Thelonious Monk, Charlie Parker, and Mike Oldfeld. Mike Oldfield. Oldfield, excuse me. Yeah. Who, who is famous for the most disturbing song or the, the most disturbing motion picture ever made? Oh, yes. yeah, was it Poltergeist? Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, uh, The Exorcist. Exorcist. The Exorcist, yeah. Yep. The most disturbing motion picture ever made. So who would have thought there'd be a tie-in between The Exorcist and Ethel Merman? <laughs> uh, of course, maybe listening to this album's like going to hell. <laughs> it would have been great if she was The Exorcist yeah. in the movie. <laughs> hey, we're going to get that demon out of you. <laughs> Don't you worry, sweetheart. <laughs> or she could have just been like, she could have been like the she could have been the devil. Young mother <laughs> <in hell. laughs> 
Hey, this is a family show, John. Yeah. <laughs> bleep it out. Bleep it out. <laughs> well, from what I read, and, and uh, maybe we'll, we'll take a break between songs. Some interesting stories about her. Apparently, she was she could swear like a sailor. <laughs> oh, I bet I, would I not could be... see that. Oh yeah, this 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 old lady from Queens. Yeah, yeah. She probably probably five minutes with her, we'd we'd all be like jaws on the ground. I bet her, Babs, and uh, Judy backstage are <laughs> yeah. sailor's blush. Yeah. <laughs> wow, well, that one, that one was different. I, I think that's my favorite so far. That, that's, oh, for sure, yeah. I, I like that one, too, yeah. I like that it wasn't just, like, straight disco the entire time. It gave yeah. you a little break. Like this. <laughs> yeah, right into it. <laughs> Is this the bonus track? No. It sounds like the uh, beginning of uh, that movie I finally saw. Was it E.T.? No. Yeah, no, not. I never saw E.T. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yep, sounds like the soundtrack. So, well, one thing when we're Wikipedia, looking at this... This is the bonus track for the CD. Yeah, I think this is the bonus track. Oh, this is the bonus track. Oh, oh yeah, oh. the other thing is... It's some, yeah, this is the last song. Oh, this yeah. is the last song, yeah. Was, um... Ethel Merman was, uh... Married four times. Hmm, her fourth not wedding. Not either. <laughs> was her probably a lot to deal with, yeah. Yeah, yeah I can only imagine. <laughs> Yeah, she was married from 1940 to 1941, then 41 to 52, 53 to 60, and 64 to 64. Right, <laughs> yeah. Borgnine. And who was she married? What was her last marriage to? Who was it? Ernest, Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. You guys know who he is? Oh, yeah. And in her yeah. autobiography, it was a blank page. Yeah. With Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, well, they were mar- married and divorced in the same year is definitely a that, that's that's something. Yeah, they said at the time that was like the running joke on you know the the talk shows and everything that oh well at least you know that lasted longer than Ethel Merman's uh, marriage to Ernie Portnoy. <laughs> This is great where it says and, and it says in her Wikipedia entry about her brash demeanor and she loved telling <laughs> vulgar stories at public parties. Yeah. She once shouted a dirty joke across the room to Jose Ferrer during a formal reception. Yeah. <laughs> hey Jose, <laughs> listen to this one. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the other side of the ballroom. So, little info about this song. It's, they say it's wonderful. It's another uh, Irving Berlin song for the musical Annie Get Your Gun, 1946. It was introduced by Ethel Merman and Ray Middleton. This song has been covered by everybody. Barry Como, Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, Dave Brubeck, Johnny Mathis, Doris Day, John Coltrane, Dionne Warwick, Susie Quattro covered this, Tony Bennett, and... Judy Garland and Howard Keel recorded the song when Garland was originally slated to star in the film. Hmm. It was released on the Annie Get Your Gun film soundtrack. Gun that. Yeah. <laughs> CD in 2000. 
So here from the New York Times, August 5th, 1964. Um, Ernest Borgnine and Ethel Merman part after five weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. So, (laughs) yeah, they married and divorced within five weeks. How can it go bad so fast? Mr. Borgnine, 47, married the Broadway music star who's 55 on June 27th. My wife's birthday. Though she wasn't around in the 50s or the 40s or whenever this was, 60s. It was her fourth marriage and his third. So they say that uh, they recorded about 14 songs and only seven of them were on the original LP. And this is the uh, the bonus uh, song that came out on the CD, what, 20 years ago, Mark? Something like that? Yeah. Everyone was uh, clamoring for the big remix remaster. <laughs> <yeah>. Special gatefold <laughs> so, splatter vinyl version. Jeez. So so I got to bring this up, though. You guys, you know, visit record stores and stuff. Apparently, if you can find a copy of this, it's pretty sought after. Mm. I don't think there are a, a lot of them out there. So. I know I'm going to look for it next time I'm in record store. <laughs> so where would you look in, in in the disco section or the broadway hit section or the torch uh, center section maybe maybe there's an ethel merman section probably is we'll talk a little bit about her accolades here can we just talk about the fact that this is called the Ethel Merman Merman Disco Album. Well, like it's it's named after our podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. To the point. Yeah. Well, I thought, too, I was reading where they had different titles, potential titles, like they were going to call it Ethel Does Disco or something like that. I don't know. So talking about Ethel, uh, you know, her uh, her foul mouth. This is an interesting story. It, yeah, it says, you know, she was notorious for her telling vulgar jokes and things. And she was on the Loretta Young show. Uh, Merman, she exclaimed, where the hell does this go? Loretta Young was a devout Catholic advanced towards Merman, waving an empty coffee can. I wonder if it was chock full of nuts. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, she said, Miss Merman, you said the H word. That'll be 25 cents. And Merman quickly racked up several more infractions in response to Young's attempt for another quarter. <laughs> Merman replied, Loretta, here's $10. Go f*** yourself. <laughs> Mark, that, that happened at work. All right. We're Glenn, Glenn L., the project engineer. Okay, so yeah. Hey, we're starting this new program. We have a lot of, of strong personalities in here. So we have a we have this jar. When you say something, you got to put a quarter in. And Richie P pulled out a $20 bill and says, I'm paid up. <laughs> this is essentially the same thing. So maybe maybe his his folks were uh <laughs> we're Ethel Merman fans. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, hey. you gotta you gotta love a woman like this. I mean, I just <laughs> just doesn't care what anybody thinks. Just it's fantastic. So well, yeah, 
There was another story I had here. Well, go ahead, Pete, while I'm looking for... Well, you know, if, if you can find that, you know, I think, uh, you know, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there in podcast land and to our, our guests, John Groovemaster Matola and Nathan Boomstank Baudry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. they, they changed their handles on their on their Zoom. Mm-hmm. And, I couldn't um, be undone, outdone by John, so... Yeah. Mm. But uh, you can find John or Nate, tell them where they can find you, folks. Well, deeppurplepodcast.com, and we're on all the social media platforms and Apple Podcasts and wherever fine podcasts are served up. If you want to, um, uh, Mark and Peter are going to be on our upcoming Christmas episode, and um, they're on other episodes as well and uh so if you if you love mark and pete and what they bring to the program then check out one of the mark and pete episodes uh to get into our show or, or if you're interested in deep purple or if you're not or if you give a five-star review to the deep purple podcast you might get a ditty bag being the 100th <laughs> that's right five-star reviewer Mm-hmm. podcast so, so even if you is... don't listen go give us a five-star review and then you might win some swag from a podcast that you don't listen to <laughs> yeah, who yeah. could ask for who could ask for anything <laughs> more? Yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah everything's coming up roses <laughs> and diddy bags so, so I, I wanted to i wanted to throw this out um yeah, hypothetically if ethel merman uh did a deep purple cover album you know, let's let's throw out some titles here i had one earlier uh thinking, well everything's coming up purple <laughs> there you go. would she be doing just like covers of uh various <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to think of what songs she'd be best suited for just gonna say i want to hear her do the scream out of the end of the solo of speed king <laughs> <laughs> it would be great like it would be just like her disco album she wouldn't even attempt to emulate deep purple she would just yeah sing it good golly sad little miss molly or or having her do like you know metal or something imagine her doing like stargazer or something (laughs) 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 with wets and chains No, yeah, she could. She could probably. Uh, that would be. That would be interesting. You know what? Like, let's get AI on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate, that's yeah, your. I did check out one of those AI things. I had some dumb idea that I wanted to do. It was somebody singing. I can't even remember what it was now. But I looked on there, and the and the the choice for singers was. Uh, you know they had all the big names you know the but but uh, what i wanted to do just wasn't there so i just gave up but i wonder if they have ethel merman in there she's so unique so and big big cultural thing in the 20th century in america without a doubt yeah yeah yeah. so i I want to touch on this other uh little ditty about ethel merman so elaine stritch who was once a stand-in for ethel merman for the musical call me madam in her one woman show elaine stritch told the story talking about merman's showmanship and attitude and she said one night while performing the song can you use any money today a drunken audience member kept calling out merman while she performed annoying both the audience and merman herself Finally, Merman got to the last line of the song, hit the first three notes, 
and then stopped the song. She then walked off the stage through the wings, down the stairs and into the audience. She got to the drunken man, yanked him out of his seat, dragged him up the center aisle, through the doors and led out of the theater and literally threw the man out into the street. (laughs) She then walked back into the theater, down the center aisle, up the stairs, through the wings, onto the stage, got to the dead center and hit the final note of the song as if nothing ever happened. (laughs) That's how you do it. Yeah. (laughs) Man, what a tough lady. So, uh, yeah, the only other thing I want to touch on is just her accolades in in her career, because it is it is quite, quite impressive. Oh, she also Pete, we forgot about this. She did. When the zip code first came out, she oh the zip code the yeah. commercial. Can you find that while I'm uh, yeah I'm looking for her? Uh, that was when they had to like sell people on the zip code, right? They had to do like some marketing to right, right. Get people yeah, on board. Like, what the hell is this crap? I never had to do this before. Why do we have to do it now? Oh, Ethel Merman said it's a good thing. The merms. The merms. <laughs> okay, when you're ready, Mark. Okay. Yeah, so I'll just say, so Ethel, uh, she was in a 17 Broadway shows, 17 feature films, and many guest appearances on TV shows. She had 12 hit records, two Tony Awards, one Grammy for uh, Best Musical Theater Album for Gypsy, and one Golden Globe for her uh, performance in the musical Hello, Dolly!, and she, of course, we mentioned she had the recurring role for five episodes on The Love Boat, playing Gopher's mother, Roz Smith. Yeah, she unfortunately passed away on February 15th, 1984, 10 months after she was diagnosed with brain cancer. And she died at her home at the age of 76. And on the evening of Merman's death, all 36 theaters on Broadway dimmed their lights at 9 p.m. in her honor. And at the 56th Academy Awards held on April 2nd, 1984, it ended with a performance of There's No Business Like Show Business as a tribute to Ethel Merman. All right. Well, we have one more, one more sponsor. Probably a good way to end this out. Hi, this is Ethel Merman to tell you about the post office department's zip code. It's a new coding system for addressing your mail. And it goes into effect all over the country. As this song will tell you, it'll help feed your mail. Welcome to Zip Code. Learn it today. Send your mail out the five-digit way. For a time saver, lighten the load. Your return address should have the zip Yeah, that was, beautiful. No, that was a good one. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a symbol of a of a simpler time. There's no one in America that could unite anyone against anything with anything that's going to improve people's lives these days. Everyone would be like, "Oh, it's a, it's a scam. The government's trying to, you know, track us down, and oh, everything's terrible." And but back then, you just like just get Ethel Merman to sing, and everyone will be like, "That's fine." <laughs> yeah, like, nobody, right. if no matter who you picked to try to sell something like that that's clearly you know everyone just accepts it now i was gonna get bill cosby oops (laughs) yeah that would have worked in the 80s now dear lord (laughs) good lord no that's 
That's Obama. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, so Pete, I think we should adopt that that little clip for our our mailbag segment if we if we get mail. Oh, <laughs> I love great. the I love the big finish with a code. <laughs> I, I like Bob Steele asking, are you sitting up straight? Oh, yeah. So, well, all righty. On that note, I, I'm going to thank thank our guests, Sean Groovemaster Matola and Nathan Boomstick. Thank you. Thank you. For, thank you. for putting up with this ridiculous episode. <laughs> but I figured it would be fun. And, and it was. I mean, <laughs> it always is. Yeah, I don't always, think we'll we'll be going out listening to this uh, this album anytime soon. But yeah, it was yeah. No, I need like the rest of the night in silence after this. Because <laughs> he needs my... a disco detox. Yeah, <laughs> you're not gonna bust out your uh, K-Tel album there. <laughs> He's gonna put it right back on the shelf for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, gonna, yeah, I'm gonna return it right back to that. I need to wait. I need to wait a little while. I gotta listen to something else. Yeah, it sounds it's like great. a great LP I mean, it's, though. It's like, and I love. I, yeah. I love the the gatefold of how oh, to do yeah. what was it the worm or what was it called the, the, the hot, hot chocolate. chocolate oh the hot chocolate yeah. the worm <laughs> the worm that would be a little harder to do but yeah I, I something I never even conceived of never knew happened I learned a lot about Ethel Merman and uh, very <laughs> enjoyable enjoyable woman great album stuff. Yeah, well, great so, in, in a, in a so, certain way. <laughs> so, is your wife an, an Ethel Merman fan? Sounds like she was more into the the, the show. Tunes I'm sure. You know, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go upstairs right now, and she's gonna say, "What do you guys talk about?" And I'm gonna tell her. <laughs> she's gonna be like, "What?" And I'm sure my wife knows. She knows. She's like Pete. She's never seen any movies, but she knows the plot of every movie. So. She might not have seen a movie, but she'll know who was in it, when it came out, what the plot was. Um, and uh, she, I'm sure, has like a wealth of knowledge about Ethel Merman. And I'll say, oh, did you know she was in this? She's like, of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. great. Well, you know, Mark, you know what, you know what tonight is? Uh, what is tonight? Oh. It's garbage night. Oh. <laughs> it so. is for me, too. Oh yeah, so I, I yeah, I, I told the story on our podcast. Uh, I always, when it was garbage night at our house, uh, my my wife and I would always sing, "Oh yes, it's garbage night." Yeah, and the feelings, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. What a night! Oh, what a night! I, I think I gotta cut that <laughs> at some point. Yeah, let's yeah. let's make it happen. Yeah. Well, this has been let's a great night. Reverb fellas. on the vocals. Yeah. Indeed. Yep. All right. Great. Thanks, fellas. And uh, yeah, so, yeah, what would Casey guys? say? We'll be talking to you. Oh, yeah, I did have a, a, a Casey thing. <laughs> so, as Casey would say, keep your rhythm like Alexander's ragtime band and keep everything coming up roses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, guys. All right, happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. <laughs>
we have an arpeggio, please? <laughs> 